episode of the DW Podcast. I am currently sitting outside Fir Park uh, with Tam Cowan. Thanks very much for coming on. Tam. It's a pleasure. What do you reckon with the t-shirt? David Cooper, legend. That is, it's a cracker. I'll get you one if this goes well, okay? That sounds good to me. Right, so, good. Uh, as for those that are watching, those that are listening might not be able to see, but for those that are watching, we're currently sitting outside Fir Park waiting on our Europa League tickets. So. Great, I can't wait. It's, um, I mean, I, I don't care when they play it. Everybody's saying, oh, is it, will the league start and then we'll have Europe and then how will that work? And it doesn't matter. See, just to get football back in the go. As I said, b- b- before we started the recording, I was saying to you about me being up at uh, Fir Park the other day for a wee meeting. I couldn't resist uh, going up into the Phil O'Donnell stand, sitting in row D, seat 83, the place that I've been for years now. And honestly, there was almost a wee tear just trickling down my cheek. I thought, wow, I've missed this so much. At that point, I think it was 100 days. Uh, Motherwell, as a club, of course, uh, will be a future quiz question because, correct me if I'm wrong, it was the Motherwell-Aberdeen game, if you like, was the first game in Scotland called off That's right, the Friday uh, night game, because it? of the yeah. COVID-19, you know, so that will be a, a quiz question for years to come. But I don't know about you, but even as a guy that's watched Motherwell for all the years I have, um, whenever you, you, you start, you know, you guys asking me is, uh, what players have you got out of contract, Tim? Who, what about that boy? And they say a name, and you're actually trying to remember who they mean, you know? There's, there's like, uh, you start basically forgetting stuff because it's been ages. And even last Saturday, there, uh, Stevie Robinson came into the BBC today, Sports Sound with Richard Gordon. And as I was coming out for a lunchtime show, he was going into their studio. And I, I genuinely mean this, when I saw him through the glass, it was a double take. I didn't realise who he was right away. I thought, that's a, I know him, don't I? And then I looked a second, I thought, oh, Christ, it's our manager, you know? And it was like, you know, if you didn't have the social distancing, I'm sure we would have hugged. Aye, you know, it's, it's it's incredible, but I can't wait for it to start back. I've really missed it. And as I keep saying to folk, um, it, and it must be the same with you, I'm guessing, but... It's the social side of it as well. 100%. It's my pals I'm missing. And all right, when it, when the games are on a Saturday because of the radio, I'm jumping about between here and uh, the BBC in Glasgow. But if joy of joys, if I get a, a midweek game or if you get a game moved to a Sunday and you're able to, before and after it, go for a drink and that, you're able to stand there with your pals, have a laugh, a bit of crack. That's what I miss. 100%. You know, sometimes the football, I mean, I've, I've watched enough Motherwell teams that, you know, you think this is garbage, you know, and it's not been particularly exciting. But when you're sat there with your mates and you know you're maybe going down to the new century or whatever for a wee pint after it, it's brilliant. And that's what I'm champing at the bit for. But when it starts, that's the big thing. I mean, it's one thing, the football coming back and is all sitting there with our virtual season tickets. Um, I'm sure that'll be exciting because I don't know about yourself when it the English stuff started back there. I would never, I would never, ever, ever go to my way to watch Aston Villa playing Sheffield United. I could barely, you take John McGinn out the equation and hands up, I, I couldn't tell you any of the players that would have been in the park for a game like that. But I, I was absolutely salivating at the prospect of that last night because it's just over the border. I mean, the German football came back and I had a shrug of the shoulders, like, who cares? La Liga and all that, pff, no interest. To, but it was English stuff, and there was a wee bit of Scottish flavour there, and McBurney there as well, and you know, you see John McGinn running about the park. It was it was utterly fascinating. Um, I cannot believe I'm hearing you say that, Tom, after all the exactly. years. Exactly. After I mean, all the years exactly, if I'd a pound, well, exactly, if I had a pound for every time I said that I never watch match of the day, only watch match of the day two, 
uh, because when it comes to showing that on a Sunday night, that covers the whole of the weekend, and even then I still watch it at the old times 30 speed, just pausing it when you think, oh, there was a red card, or there was a riot, or something, you know. Um, but So if I'm, if I'm feeling that way about the English football coming back, you know, I'll be positively ejaculating uh, <laughs> when this place behind us gets opened for the first time. It's going to be great. Can you remember your first time coming here? No. Then, since we're sitting here. You're... And I hate folk who can remember the first time. It's I hate. funny that, isn't it? It's always I. And folk can say, oh, I was carried in as a baby. Well, you see, that was a fucking waste of money, wasn't it? You know, <laughs> babies going to the fuck, but don't be ridiculous. My mate will back me up on that. My mate Neil Hamilton at a Sitway, uh, him and all the boys in the Phil O'Donnell. Uh, his boy, Matthew, is now a diehard, right? But Matthew, what's Matthew now? He's uh, 20, early, early 20s, I think he is. 20 anyhow. Uh, Matthew came to the games originally too soon, right? You know yeah, that, right? I think I was probably the same. And all he was wanted to do was run about. And, and he's dark couldn't get watching the game. And, and Neil Stoke bringing him for a while. And I thought that was perfectly sensible. You're not interested at that age. For me, it was... Um, I, I grew up in the, just, what were we, maybe a mile down the road for for part, mile and a half. So for me, it was that way when you were out playing with your pals as folk used to do, whether you were out playing hunts or kick the can or raiding gardens for tumshies or whatever it might have been back in the day, you would sometimes, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, in fact it would be on a Wednesday, wouldn't it have been a Tuesday by then, but on a Wednesday night you'd maybe see the glow of the floodlights way up at Fir Park, you know, and it, it started to appeal to you, you know. You thought, wow, that seems like an adventure. It's like, you know, Dorothy and the Scarecrow and all that <laughs> going to see the Wizard of Oz, you know. And you thought, we need to go up there. So you would go up with your pals when, you know, when, again, there was a wee bit more freedom that day for kids. You know, you'd go and as long as you were back in at night, uh, your, your mum and dad were happy with that. So we would go up to Fir Park. And then, of course, in that era, dead easy, mister, will you give us a lift there? I need bother, son. That was you in, or run at the the Motherwell College and uh, when it was the open terracing behind the goal where the south stand is, there was a legendary kind of tunnel there was that it? had been oh it had been gradually dug out at the fence by the boys and you could go under that. But again, there was no need for it because you could stand in there and get a lift there, you know. Mm. So my my earliest, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't I don't I can't say I remember a game, uh, and that was that. But I remember the last maybe throw of the dice. For Wally Petty grew up here, but even then, I, I primarily think of Wally Petty grew, maybe watching him on Scott Sport as a kid, uh, at the end of his Motherwell career, and then always say for me the first team that I really fell in love with, and I was at the right age for starting to understand a wee bit about football, and for it to really interest me, it would have been the Davy Hayes team that ran away with the first division, uh, eighty one, eighty two. Another thing was as well, uh, that was me into high school then, and so. In the same way that you had to know a wee bit about music, you to have any people. chance with the lassies at the school disco and that, <laughs> you also then, for your pals, for your peers, you had to kind of know a wee bit about the football. So what a great time to fall in love with football when you had a team that was famously scoring five, six, seven goals every single week. Guys like Brian McLaughlin, me, Johnny Gagan, the great Joe Locke and Shuggy Sprout and goals. And that was an absolutely fabulous team. And then that's also when I first got involved like, with uh, a supporters bus. Uh, via uh, dear old Liz Mullen and uh, the Muir House, House, and then did it not be called, uh, was it not then called the bridge work for That's a while? Right, aye, aye. Yeah. So it was going on there, and oh, Liz Mullen, absolute legend, because even it wasn't the first time I turned up and I was absolutely potless, but she was saying, Oh, just get your ass on the bus and you can pay me 
a few weeks down the line or that if you'd already burst your pocket money or whatever it would have been at the time. So that was great. It was a great way to get interest in the game. But I would I, I could never claim then to, to remember my first game. But the sad thing is that the risk of making us both great. Uh, I will remember my last game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, aye. So it's interesting because that will be, what, 100? Must be about that as well now, about 100 days. Aye since the Aberdeen game was put off on the Friday night. Because uh, that's the thing, I've got out of all the, the prizes and stuff that have uh, been donated to me to give away on Instagram for slightly change the subject, but then come back to Motherwell. When I was up here the other day, uh, Bob Park, the security uh, chief up here, he says, Tom, do you want some of these? And what it was, I think it is, is collector's items. He gave me half a dozen Motherwell Aberdeen match programmes. For that for the night. Game didn't go ahead, so yeah. these are match programmes for a game that didn't go ahead, and it was called off. I think probably lunchtime, aye, wasn't it? Aye. It was early on. Particularly because Aberdeen would have had the journey to make and all that, you know, very sensible. But so I thought nobody will have one of these aye. because they didn't effectively go on sale. So I'm going to put them uh, up on Instagram. No, I'm not giving them a you know some folks are saying you after a fucking MBE or something, giving prizes to key workers and NHS heroes. These programmes will just be, I don't know what I'll devise for it, but I'd like them to go to Motherwell fans. Because there are guys, there's one guy I know, in fact, that I, I sit quite close to who is a collector. Whereas anything I've had for the club, and you know what, see for doing we we favours for folk, be it helping them out with their testimonials or that, or hosting stuff for the club. They've given me wee bits and pieces because you don't want either that. They say, here, well, there's that, or there's that. Replica jerseys and souvenir stuff and that. And I'd love to see what my collection could be now. I just give them away to like pals and that. I say, you collect stuff, don't you? There you go. Ends up just cluttering up my wee office in the house, you know. But um, but their programmes will be, because that will, it will get done as a quiz question. What was the, what was the game that aye, called The off, first yeah. game called off because of a global pandemic in Scotland, Motherwell Aberdeen. <laughs> you mentioned your Instagram there, Tam, and you mentioned it's been 100 days uh, since the lockdown kicked in or so. I was going to ask you what you've been doing, but you've Certainly been spending a lot of time on your Instagram. Well, I've had a lot of time to spend, that's it. I mean, when I went on Instagram, um, I'm coming up on my first anniversary. It was uh, July the 3rd last year, and uh, what happened was, my wife had been ever so slightly badgering me to get involved in social media, which I'd always just kept away from, right? I've heard you've been using her Twitter behind her back, though. Uh, well... I have been using her Twitter behind her back. There's a dirty <laughs> joke in there somewhere. But I like using her Twitter for behind her back. But but uh but I no, I like uh that that when I use Twitter it's like say for example we've got somebody coming on the radio on Saturday. Yeah. Could be somebody that I know, could be somebody that I don't know, could be somebody with a public profile or not. I like just maybe having a wee look at what they've been up to Makes on Twitter. Sense, it's eh? a good wee tool for that, you know. Um, but I wasn't going to go into art because believe it or not, um, any of my pals will tell you, my wife will say, I'm extremely thin skinned. And I thought, I'm not getting. Really? Oh, I think I'm not getting. I'm very shy, actually. Emily knows that. Oh, they, oh, they'll tell you that. My wife, particularly, she always wonders, how can you, you go on that radio and you're blah, blah, blah. And then we might go with folk and we folk run to the house and you're looking at your feet and mumbling and you know I just, you know you kind of help the way you are you know but that's, that's really interesting um, time though because we'll be watching this only really sees you on the telly on the radio and from the outside looking in you'd think you know I can't imagine you being the type of person that if you get criticism on social media oh, you'd, you'd take it to heart I well I'd, oh you do absolutely but and that's how Instagram was such a lovely wee 
place to find because when I said to my wife, she said, right, what about Instagram? And I said, right, explain that to me. She told me what it was all about and I thought, right, you know what? We'll do it as a wee experiment. Now we were getting ready to go to Florida, me, the wife and the Wayne. And what I've always done, my wee lass is nine now. My dad did it with me. Whenever we went on holiday, he kept a wee diary of what you got up to every right. day. And that's because I was mainly been doing it at Rothsey or camping out at Ettrick Bay or something or some wee damp boarding house, you know what I mean? But my dad always kept that for me and I've got them on. It was a good wee thing to look back on. So I'd started doing that uh, with my wee lassie and I said to my wife, I said, right, what will they... When we get to Florida, I'll go on this Instagram thing, right? right? And I'll keep a wee the Florida diaries, that's what it was going to be called. Brilliant. For the three weeks we're out there, I'll stick up some pictures when we're at the, you know, Universal, the Magic Kingdom, whatever it might be, and a wee American diner or something, and I'll do some words and um and that's that. And then I did that and it, it kinda took off quite quickly the the followers and that. Uh, went up at a rate of knots and when it came to the end of the three weeks I was sticking to my guns I kind of just done it to appease my wife and I, I put up a post saying right well there you go that's been the Florida Diaries I'm, I'm heading back home you were hooked and I put words to the effect to you know see you later alligator you know and there was folks saying oh no keep it going Tom it's a good laugh and I'll be dying to see what you post about the football when that starts back or when you're just out and about in normal restaurants or when you're on the radio you know, well-kent faces that you've maybe got in as guests and you got a wee word with them, a wee photos. So I kept it going and uh, and that was that. And then when it came into lockdown and uh, we were in, in the house, um, <laughs> I then just started having a bit of fun because uh, I was writing stuff and making up wee daft songs. And, and I, you know, that that's, I'd, I'd always, I've always written things. I've always written jokes and stuff. Uh, so it was just like kind of an extension of that and something to amuse yourself first up and then hopefully get a wee bit of feedback for other folk. But then when it then tipped into folk, as I, I believe did happen on Instagram now, okay, if you get Kim Kardashian levels, folk might be wanting to give you a Lamborghini and all the rest of it, you know. <laughs> but folk were saying to me, Tam, I've got a boxy... I've got a boxy butcher meat here, do you, you know, and that's Can you get away, <laughs> So I thought, ah, there's a good idea. So I started then, then, I've done it every week now for, um, I don't know uh, how many weeks. We sell to a Rangers fan going by, try, <laughs> try to sabotage the broadcast with, with roller skates. Roller skates but the, um, I, I started the competition thing, trying to the first thing I had to give away. But rather than, I didn't want to be seen as taking something, let's say the boxy butcher meat, right? Taking that for somebody, keeping it for myself, and you think that that would just, folk would just get hacked off with that right. and say, why am, I, why am I reading this bash? So I said, right, here we go, we'll give any of the stuff that I get in away to a, a worthy cause yeah. uh, kind of thing. And, this time it's, it's like oh, it's been brilliant. And folk have been, otherwise folk been very appreciative. So whether it's been Indian restaurants, you know, like takeaway meals for families, Big Arthur doing the road dealing, Mother Di Claudio, he put us up a, an Italian feast with wine uh, for four folk, and that went to a lassie that works up in Wishy General. Um, I thought that one was great, Tim, because that was, you know, tag somebody, you know, it's a key worker and say why uh, you deserve it. Absolutely, and, and I mean, some of the stuff that I've got still to come up, there's a, a confectioner down in Ayr who's, uh, who's uh, ready to send out to the deserving cause this big hampery like tablet, fudge, chocolate, sweeties. And this is at a time I'll remind you when the dentists have not <laughs> uh, reopened just yet, although uh, that will be sooner rather than later. But So it's been a good laugh when that stuff. 
um, and it gives you a wee buzz and it's, and it's something to do. I mean, at, at home, when you're, you're doing a wee bit, we obviously my wee lassie's been at home, my wife who works at my wee girl's school, that, that's been a blessing because she's up to speed with all the stuff they're doing and if she's not up to speed because she works at the school, she can get a wee word with the teachers and that. Um, so I'm, I'm more there in a, a supervisor's capacity. My wife's not that great at involving arithmetic or grammar. So I'm straight in there uh, with anything like that. So I had to amuse myself somehow. And Instagram has... I don't, I, I'm, I'm interested to know uh, what I would have done. Um, <laughs> Without it, right? If it hadn't have been for uh, Instagram, you know. But, uh, but there we go. You're rolling back the years with your, with your youth, I have to say. Yeah. Absolutely, aye. So on a, on a personal level, Tam, I was I was listening to Off The Ball on Saturday, as I do most Saturdays, and I have to say it must be a bit strange for you as well, because obviously yourself and Stuart are in the studio, but the guests are almost in a separate studio through the glass, aren't they? Or the... Well, that, and that's only at night. That's um, We, for how many weeks would that be now? I don't know, 12 weeks, is it? The, um, the guests that we've had in our lunchtime show between 12 and 2, uh, they have just been uh, down the line or uh, maybe sometimes uh, kind of East Coasters uh, in the BBC studios in Edinburgh. Right, uh, just right. up for Holyrood, at the, the ton. Uh, they've been in there. So, and again, the thing with that, we've, we've, we've you know, I'm, I'm, I'm relieved that that's kind of worked because I, I've always argued that what you really want is you, you want to have guests in the studio because see, you get, uh, there's a lot to be said for eye contact. Yep. See, even if you're maybe gently taking the piss out of your guest, you know, and having a laugh at their expense, you can uh, you can tell a, a wee joke away and be showing it in your face that you, you don't really mean it, aye. and they can see that. But if it's it, over the phone, oh, it could, could be hazardous aye. over the phone. But um, so I mean, even I mean, the strange thing with that is the wee anomaly with that is the very first week, and it seems like a lifetime ago now. The very first week we had Professor Jason Leachan, he was in the studio. Right. And he, you know, he would probably be mildly embarrassed by that now professionally. But there was a wee a wee side of him that day that was saying, Ah, don't worry about the virus, you know. He came in, he immediately shook our horns when he came into the studio. And when we then started the show, he says, Jason, first things first. When you come into the studio, you shook our hands, what's the story there? I thought we'd all been told, you know. He says, Well, it was a judgment call. My hands are clean. Uh, I made the judgment call that your hands are clean and I can uh, shake your hands. When I leave the studio, I'll get the gel and I'll go and wash my hands and that's fine. Yeah. That night, he told us that he was going, and he did, with his wife to the Mother India uh, restaurant in Glasgow. He was going for a curry. And I said, you going to the Yep. And before I go in, I'll wash my hands and then we'll get in there. And then before we leave, I'll wash my hands again. Absolutely fine, you know. But then one week later, A, we didn't have him in because he wasn't allowed in social distancing right. in the studio. But he came in just one week later and, you know, completely changed his tune. Yeah. You know, and he says, but nah, nah, what, nah, what, nah, what that, that, that was this. Well, it was knowledge. It wasn't right. a slight on him. It was right. they were increasingly learning uh, the do's and don'ts sure. of uh, coronavirus. So in that space of one week, he's, he said, no, I wouldn't shake your hands now uh, because the it's really, uh, you know, the, 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 the virus is really, really going for it now. And of course, uh, he wouldn't go to the restaurant because the restaurants had already been advised at that stage uh, to, to, for people to stay away. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing, because I know a lot of folk 
for all the years that I reviewed restaurants, I've got a lot of pals in that game and in the hospitality trade. And what was a wee bit naughty, I thought, of the government at the start, is that they were advising folk not to go to restaurants and pubs, but they weren't telling them and they weren't closing these estates. If they'd have closed them, then for these businesses, insurance and stuff would have kicked in, you know? Yeah. And I thought they were a wee bit slovenly with that. They could have, they could have done that a lot earlier. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just... And so we've not seen Professor Jason Leach in the flesh, and he's like a pal we knew. I mean, I, I did a song about him, for example. Right. And for those uh, that don't know, Tam, Jason Leach is the professor that's leading the Scottish Government advice on the coronavirus. Absolutely. So he's, he's a top dog. He's he? a main man. And even though there are other folk in the periphery, uh, and of course there are the government advisors in London, he's been the man for, for clarity. Yes. Uh, that's the word that uh, I think they would put in his gravestone almost, because when he talks, people who, you know, don't have a mind that's ready to take in uh, subjects of a scientific nature. They don't need to worry about that with him. He speaks in everyday language, and uh, that, that's what's been really great about him. How, and, how did you go about getting him on the show then? Because he's on every week, so it's not like... Well, he's on every week, and I think there's a wee bit of him. I, I, I think there's a, there's a frustrated showman about Professor Jason Leach, and, because he does, I think he does quite like doing the telly and doing the radio. He's very confident when he's on there, and he, he likes trying to throw in a wee clip here and there, you know, and a wee, wee self-deprecating mm -hmm. gag here and there. And uh, as I said already, I mean, it's not going to be until next year now, but when the pantomimes and stuff, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, this is a fact, if the pantomime, be it one of the biggies, maybe the, the King's Theatre in Glasgow, the, the Armadillo in Glasgow, the, the Pavilion, even the Civic Centre down the road, see if they put into the script, it could be Jack and the Beanstalk and Jack falls off the Beanstalk, grazes his knee and he says, oh, what are we going to do with that? Oh, here's somebody that can maybe help us, Professor Jason Leach. <laughs> and when he walks for a wee cameo, he'd fucking bring the house down because he's, he's such a, 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 a kind of a famous figure now. So, um, but it's great when I've just been and I did the wee song about him and that, he absolutely loved it. He put it on his Twitter and, uh, and then I've promised him for all the help that uh, he's given us just as a guest in the show. I say, right, the place that stands out for me is a Mother India restaurant in Glasgow because that's where, where you, you went going? that yeah. first night. I says, me and the wife are taking you and uh, Mrs Leach, uh, slap up feed whenever we're able to sit back down, order for a menu. Have a, have the waiter pouring you some wine, stuff like that that I'm really, really missing. Uh, so we've got that night pencilled in, it'll be great. And I said, the only thing it'll be off the bounds that night, out of bounds will be the virus. We'll not be able to talk about anything. Because right. that's all I know about him, apart from the fact he's feared, but he, he now lives in Glasgow, he used to be a dental surgeon, he's now a virologist, and he's the top dude for coronavirus. I don't know anything else about him. You know? See, about going to Mother India, Tom, obviously you're... Uh, are you were, or you still are, a restaurant reviewer? Well, that sadly was taken away from me last, last June. I might have been, I might have been part of the reason on Instagram. I mean, uh, <laughs> sadly, because 29 years of my life I've spent in newspapers, and every, as every man in their dog knows now, I'm afraid uh, the great days of print journalism are sadly behind us. Everything, it's, you know, it's not harm to anybody. You know, you, don't, you wouldn't slag guys that used to make beat a max video recorders for all of them. You sure. wouldn't you wouldn't laugh at them and point the finger. It was just that life moved on and DVDs came in and now folk download things and all that. And it's gone exactly the same way uh, for print newspapers because when I started out, 1991, 
January 91 with the Evening Times in Glasgow. It was a great year for me to start in papers as a columnist. Because I had plenty to write about. I mean, I'll I'll be honest, as a young guy at that time, I was just over 20. um, And I got a start as a columnist, uh, which was a really, really big paper. The Evening Times in Glasgow had a great circulation. And I was going in there. And at that age, I'd have been panicking about, oh, can't think of anything to write about this week, Matt. Was that so, off the back of you doing your own fanzine, Tom? Uh, fanzine no, no, no. Writing, I no? did at the time. I had I had done uh, when I was in sixth year at Braidhurst, me and my big mate, who went on to be my best man uh, some years later. Uh, we were writing stuff at school, not we jokes and gags and sketches and stuff. And our English teacher at the time uh, sent some of them in to a couple of shows in Radio 2 and yeah. Radio 4 and they used some of it, right? Yeah. So this became a big deal at the school and then the Motherwell Times, Christ, cringe now when you look back, the Motherwell Times of the two years on the front page, must be a quiet week in Motherwell, you know? <laughs> but on the front page, like sitting like the way that Mel Smith and Griff Reese jones used to sit face to face with one arm on the table, <laughs> oh, right? And it was like that. Uh, oh, it's, oh, I've got it somewhere, right. I don't know where it is, like, it's out there somewhere. Uh, but, my mate gradually lost a wee bit of interest in that. He was doing a uh, university degree. And then I'd gone to do a journalism uh, course at Napier College. It was still in a Edinburgh, college, right? and that's me yeah. showing my age. And, uh, but I was still mad into the writing and sketch writing and joke writing and that. And then I got a wee fit in with the BBC in Glasgow uh, through my pal of oh, 35 years now, Phil Duffer, who created Only an Excuse starting out with the audio version of that and I was very very fortunate to get a few wee lines on that and then there was loads of sketch shows at the time like Naked Radio uh, was a fixture on Radio Scotland which then became Naked Video on the telly there was Scotch and Rye there was there was stacks of things to write for so I was doing all that kind of stuff and then that got me a wee fat in the door at the Evening Times as a columnist but as I say for joining them the same year that we enjoyed our magical uh, cup run, it meant I always had plenty to write about, you know, and then for that being that year, one wee strip column a week, and then a year later they gave me two columns a week, and the following year it became three, so that meant I was finally getting a wee decent bit of money, and then that gave me the platform in 94 for uh, the BBC to give me a wee shout about this thing they were starting called Off the Ball, which again when it started, um, I mean the reason that uh, last year if you like, or this season was our 25th anniversary. It was really only 24 years with me and Stuart. Yep. Because the first year that we started, uh, Greg Hempel, who of course went on to uh, Still Game fame, he was the presenter, and it was me and Sanjeev Coley, another Still Gamer. In fact, I was the only one that didn't get a fucking gig on the show, come to think <laughs> it. Eh? But uh, we were at the other side of the desk. And after that year, the show kind of, it was a bit spiky, you know, something, certainly something a bit different on Radio Scotland at the time. When it was the era, you still get the impression that they were reading out the football results on BBC Radio Scotland with guys wearing a dicky bow and all that and reading into a BBC microphone, you know. It was all a bit stiff back then. So this show was a wee bit subversive, kind of. Uh, and they decided that they wanted to continue with something like that. But their own admission, maybe Greg and Sanjeev, weren't they just quite right because... Again, by their own admission, they, they didn't really go to football like I did, you know. I mean, I was before and after the shows, I was again putting in to Fir Park and all the rest of it and been up to speed with the rest of the Scottish football. So they, they, they basically drafted in Stuart 
I'd seen Stuart where we're sitting in out that corner, which at the time was the Fir Park Club, at the corner there, I was outside it after a game, probably Mother St Johnson, probably ready to go into the Fir Park Club, and I heard a wee a wee noise like there was a wee posse of St Johnston fans yeah. coming around that corner, and it was quite clearly Stuart and another couple of boys. So I got to know actually Palsy Stuart were at the front of this wee posse. And uh, and so that was as nearest I'd seen Stuart in the flesh. Now I'd seen him in the in the telly doing all sorts of wank bag stuff with, and his fucking hooded tarp and shades and all that uh, on the Late Show and trendy youth kind of programs yeah. and all that, you know, and highfalutin things. And then of course I'd I'd read his his absolutely brilliant book in that year of Hamden Babylon, which was sensational. And it was it was probably because of the book and other bits and pieces involving Fatbird that Stuart had done that the BBC approached him about being the presenter of a show called Off The Ball. And to be honest with you, I was, I was very lucky because I think the idea, in fact, I know the idea at the time was for me and others to be part of almost uh, this zoo radio, which is an expression I hate. And it was almost like, like squad rotation. It might have been because I'd done the first year of the show, the idea was, right, we'll get Tam in for the first week with Stuart. But then we might have somebody the second week, and then somebody else, and then we might go back to Tam. Yeah. We might know. But me and Stuart were in the first week, me, him, and if memory serves, the other guest that day for our very first programme with me and Stuart, still a pal of mine, was the guy who at the time did the Dundee fanzine, a mind O'Gilly, a boy called Robin Grammond. Uh, so the very first show of Off the Ball as it is now, it was me and Stuart and uh, Robin Grammond, and then me and Stuart kind of clicked a wee bit, as much as we appeared to be poles apart uh, in terms of Stuart being the, you know, the, the trendy independent producer television guy who went on to be head of nations and regions at Channel 4 and the, within the lifespan off the ball um, it was as Stuart described us at the start he said that he uh, I was the, the coarse lump of Lanarkshire lard and Stuart was the posh Perthshire poof Right now, if he, if he used that p word now, <laughs> it'd be happening. It, oh, he just get sacked on the spot at the BBC. But it was it was it was different times, shall we say? Um, I suppose that's why they call you the odd couple. Scott well, Cooper, I, I, I that meant that. But see, the thing was, that I think brought us together though, and 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 allowed us uh, to to make twenty five years out of the show. Was that we actually, when you just scratched a wee bit beneath the surface, we actually were very very similar. We both had very much working class uh, upbringing. And uh, Stuart and a council scheme in Perth, me and a, I, me and a, a council scheme in Motherwell, and we both crucially support uh, the yeah, phrase we always team. use: the local football team, a wee daddy team. Right. Now, always wonderful. Now and again, ask me, what would that have been like if Stuart supported Rangers, you supported Celtic, or one of you supported Rangers or Celtic, another one supported Motherwell St Johnson? And I, 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 I just in my heart of hearts, I don't think it would have worked somehow, yeah. but. Where we were able to cause a wee bit of noise and grab an audience right away because we were in there primarily bashing uh, the old firm, Celtic and Rangers, it suddenly meant that there was Aberdeen fans, Dundee United fans, Motherwell, Hibs, Hearts saying, hey, what's this programme? Because yeah. normally there was so much arse licking, it still goes on of course, but there was so much arse licking. You remember the partial of the programmes like Scott Sport, Extra Time, or Friday Sports scene turning up at Ali McCoy's door with a birthday cake when it was his birthday. You know, you've got all that yeah. kind of shite, you know. Whereas, you know, if it had been a Motherwell player or St. John's, you wouldn't even have 
dreamed of doing anything like that, you know. So we were able to rumble up a wee bit, and I think that's uh, how it worked. But, you know, you still get to the stage. I've got to laugh. You get to the stage now. Um, I mean, I'd like some of the stuff that even we'd have been able to say on air back then, even in terms of even some of the language, you wouldn't actually be able to say now, yep. you know. And uh, and you'll even get folks saying, I if you go in and mention the new Rangers or Celtic without berating them, you immediately get folk on message boards, I arse licking Celtic, arse licking Rangers. Yeah. And you think, boys, calm down. Calm down. I can assure you, I can show you the emails I've done for Rangers and Celtic fans. I can show you in the old days some of the handwritten letters and fucking crayon that I've been sent in by Bamports sending your sorts of threats about what you've said about Celtic and Rangers. So don't give me any of that, Pash, you know? Have you ever had any, well, I mean, used to are obviously very popular, you know, on the, uh, on the internet forums, message boards, social media, but have you ever had anybody seriously threaten you? Oh, I had a stalker. Did you? <laughs> oh, aye. <laughs> uh, when I started doing all this, I can talk and laugh about it. female or male stalker? Too? Well, there you go. The very image that the stalker was going to be some delicious blonde <laughs> who you might have had a wee footer with and then said, after you've had your time here, I think you better go and get some mental help, you know? But, but... <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for letting me play with your books for the past few months. But no, it, it, sadly it was nothing like that. It was um, it's kind of a classic story as it turns out because it's sort of thing that's happened to a few folk, I dare say. When we, we, we had the, and the narrative I was saying, we were up to the BBC letting us do the radio and that. Then it came to 98, I get the big uh, newspaper move, if you like, for the Evening Times to the Daily Record, national platform there. And then in 98 as well, being with the record, being in the radio, I started getting the odd wee sniffy some telly stuff and that, you know. So you you we've, uh, you move on to about 2001 when we started doing Offside on BBC One on Monday night. We'd started doing that in 1998 on a, a wee channel called BBC Choice Scotland, which was like an, an almost experimental satellite channel. The BBC Choice Scotland, England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Yeah. And all the channels, three years later, they all kind of merged to become BBC Three and BBC Four. Sure. But I'd started doing offside that every week for three years. So it was a great grounding. You were in a wee studio, Studio B, at the old BBC Queen Margaret Drive. And it was just me, two guests, and a couple of cameras, and each studio audience or anything like that, you know. It went on and, studio uh, audience, didn't it? And it oh, aye. Oh, so yeah. when we moved, the, the, the shows worked, thankfully. And in 2001, Right through to 2007, uh, they put us on BBC One on a Monday night. So, when I was suddenly then a fixture uh, on the telly on a Monday night, or then the radio on a Saturday, you could read me three times a week in the, a national newspaper, then uh, I suddenly started getting these letters in. A guy basically saying that he didn't like me, and uh, this went on, and... I'll, I'll need to get you sorted out. Tom. Never a point where you're thinking this sounds a bit. Well, you know what? It sounds daft. It sounds daft. But I was, I was a, a kind of slightly carefree single man. Uh, uh, I was very, very busy, as I've just explained. If, like, I mean, I'd, when I think back now, as a family man and with a kid and all that, if they if they could say to me tomorrow, you know what, Tom, we're starting off side back, you know, I think how place. would I bloody find the time? You know what I mean? But so. I'd, the telly, the radio, the paper stuff, I was up to there. So I was able to kind of no dwell on sure. these stupid letters that were coming in, you know. But then, I'll always remember, uh, I got a call one day, Tom, can you come into BBC? 
these were getting sent into the BBC. That yeah, into the BBC. Oh, they were into the BBC, and I think some get sent into the Daily Record right. at the time as well. But I think it was mainly the BBC. That's where I was more visual, if you like, you know. So there was one day, I can't even who it was. It was some high hygiene at the BBC. Uh, CID, I want to speak to you. Uh, another letters came in, we sent it straight to them because they were starting to open the letters, right? right. Uh, and kind of, they wouldn't want me to get distracted by it all, you know what I mean? If they said, oh, Tam's just laughing about it, fine, we'll keep them out the loop almost. But anyhow, they got this letter in and uh, they said, you better come in, these guys are want to have a chat to you about it, it's a bit serious now. So I went in and they showed us this letter that this fucking Zoomer had sent in. And the guy had basically, uh, the previous weekend, they'd followed me, clearly. And they sent in this letter with this itinerary of everything I got up to that night. Now, I had... Uh, I had you were up to you, shouldn't you? <laughs> well, no, but hey, I tell you, I was a single man, I could have done anything that I chose. Uh, but anyhow, what I'd done that particular night, I'd been out with a young lady, and we had gone to the Griffin Bar um, in Glasgow, diagonally opposite the King's Theatre, because we were going over to the King's Theatre for a show, and then we came out of there, went back out to the Griffin for a quick drink, and then we wandered all the way down to Victoria's, the legendary yeah, nightclub, nightclub, where we went up to the cabaret lounge. I didn't go to the kind of trendy, but up to the cabaret lounge, music was a bit more sensible. <laughs> and then we may have had a wee, a wee smooch elsewhere later that evening. But this guy, he, he, must, he must have been on my tail all night. He'd fucking every detail done in this letter. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, I got a wee... That's when I started to get a wee bit scared. And... Um, what happened as well around about that time then, uh, I think it was that night in fact, uh, I was going over to Angels in Huddingston yeah. to meet a couple of my pals for Hamilton, they said, what's your plans tonight? Uh, would it be okay if we had a couple of boys come over with you? The CID? Uh, and, I, and I'm thinking, alright, this is interesting. So it was the old kind of plain clothes police oh, thing. They said, don't worry, we'll just sit in the corner and have a wee orange juice and just keep an eye on you, you know. And I thought, fucking hell, you know, so that's exactly what happened. But you almost wouldn't have known they were there. I went there and met up with my two mates. And uh, how, did you, how did you enjoy your night then? I, well, no, I, I didn't. Did <laughs> I didn't. I think alcohol may have helped, but <laughs> uh, no, I didn't enjoy my night. But um, I didn't, of course, just in case they'd have the game away, I didn't crack a light to my mates as well, you know, until pff, almost years later, you know. But we got on playing pool, having a drink, and all the rest of it. And uh, that was it, nothing happened. And then, to, to kind of cut a long story short, they basically threw, I don't know, DNA or something, or a um, handwriting expert or something, they caught the, they caught the guy. Yeah. And as I say, far from it being a... And we see an angels that night? ...female stalker. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. no. This was, he'd only, as, as far as I'm aware, been on my tail that particular night in Glasgow, but they caught him. And it turns out, uh, rather than it being as we were joking about earlier, some delicious blonde who was just slightly unhinged. It turned out to be a, a guy who was 66, and he was extremely unhinged. And they said to me, but they wouldn't tell me who, and I wasn't interested to it, but they said they kind of had an inkling fairly on it was him, because he'd done it before. And he people. says he'd done it with other folk in the same kind of line of work. So whether it was a, you know somebody around about the same time or a few years earlier, who'd suddenly got her face in the telly and been a yeah. bit of a fixture. I don't know, it could have been a, I don't know, Chick Young, Jim White, it could have been MD. Said it was somebody in the same field. Um, they'd done it with them, and then they said to me, kind of, what do you want to do about it now? And I don't know if I'd just watched too many films or tell, <laughs> I just said, I dropped the charges. I just said, the very fact that they'd got him, right. and he clearly wasn't going to do it again, right. I was just so relieved that that, that nipped it in the bud. 
Um, and that was that. But that uh, was a strange old time. But um, I, again, it was just because I was so busy at the time, I, I, I didn't let it bother me. There, there's people out there, you know, can't blame them for us. It would let that bother them. You know, that could affect the rest of their career. Oh, you know? absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. At the time, I was... You were away, you know, you'd have a certain glance yeah. run about you and if anybody came up to talk to you. Because, I'm, I, I mean, I've always, as much as I'm saying, and I, I do mean that. I mean, I, 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 I'm just by nature uh, shy, but if folk come up to you in a pub or whatever, you remember pubs? Right. <laughs> if, if somebody comes up to you in a pub <laughs> or, a, or in a restaurant and they're chatting away, you always try to default the time of day and have a laugh a joke and a carry on with them but at that time you were looking for I don't know signs I'm mm -hmm. looking for a whole stuff <laughs> you know and just you, don't know, you don't know what to be looking for you don't know exactly but, um, but anyhow it was, a, it was a strange wee period but I I, I I think I got through it just because I was I was I was so busy and I didn't have like I'm a dread thing if anything like that happened now and I've got a family to worry about a life and a wee girl and all that, and you think, imagine, imagine anything like that now, but ah, he just got on with it. I was a, 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 a younger guy, daft, daft young boy, you know. We, we touched on earlier the, the restaurant reviews. How did you get into something like that? How, how did you start? It was when I joined the record in 1998. Uh, I was just about to start uh, joining as a as a columnist, a twice a week columnist, that was my gig. That then, like the ideal job well, it was. My, my editor at the time, or my editor who took me to the record from the Evening Times, a guy called Martin Clark, he said, Tom, the first Saturday you're going to be in the paper, this is September 98, the first Saturday you're starting, we're launching a magazine that day, the magazine that they still go in the record on a Saturday. I want you to do something for it. You know, right away he was going up my door right away for doing a, a third thing a week for him so I went right okay I says but I'm a firm believer try to, trying to stick to what you know right sure. which is why I would never bring up the subject English football because in all the years <laughs> that I've blanked it I have no knowledge no, of you're, it you're whatsoever right? it so I, I, I you know so I says I'll do something in the magazine if it's something that interests me now he didn't know me really uh, apart from you my slight public persona at the time but he says to me Right, what, what your interest? Now at the time, 1998, I'd have been, what, 28, 29-year-old, uh, single. I loved a great social life out eating, drinking and all the rest of it, you know. And I said, well, you get in on that line. And he says, <laughs> well, he says, we don't, I, I want to do a restaurant review, but we don't have a restaurant review. But I don't want it to be like one that you'll see in the, the posh Sunday papers right. where you're writing about where the artichokes were sourced and how these were the best avocados you've tasted since you were in the kibbutz in Jerusalem or you know all that shite you know he says I want you to write it as a punter the way you can write and the way you speak and I says right give me a crack at that so we did and uh, God right through to when I left the, the record in 2014 that was 16 years I did it there and then when I, I started at the Scottish Sun and spent five years there before financially uh, kind of the ceiling caved in uh, I had great fun doing it there as well, and it, it was brilliant. And it was no, there was no great science to it. I would, in the years before I could drive, pre twenty twelve when I when I got my license, I'd very late coming to driving. But before then, for nineteen ninety eight to twenty twelve, it was dead simple. I'd maybe get a Monday or a Tuesday, and I'd say to one of my mates uh, who's maybe in flexi time or half work or skiving or anything, you want to go a wee day out restaurant if you're a wee night out. I great. And I'd meet them, I'd say, right, meet me at Queen Street Station in Glasgow if we're going to go north, maybe a wee Perth, Mont uh, Montrose or Broth, Aberdeen, or somewhere just after that. 
or meet me at Central Station if we're going to head down Ayrshire or something, you know. Yeah. And that's what we would do. And then we'd just get off the train somewhere. And then you'd maybe even say to the taxi driver at the station, jump in there, mate, any restaurants you recommend? So you'd and just they, go in? You, I'd go absolutely anywhere and walk in. Folk even thought that you phoned places up in advance. I thought that. I thought they'd phone no, it. No, because it wouldn't be a review. I'd cap Blanche, which was fantastic to go wherever I wanted. And what I always just strive today, which I thought was fair, for a national newspaper who a lot of like a lot of the media is, is Glasgow centric, right. you know. And I thought, oh, I can't go any day that. So I was away up in Sky, I was up in Inverness, right. I was away down to the borders, I was away down South Ayrshire and everywhere in between, out of, you know, out of Butte and you know, I went everywhere and I just made it like a day out. And uh, and it was great fun. It was even better fun, I must say, for whoever I took with me. Because mm. If one of my pals came with me, they never had to put their horn in their pocket. They get fed, they get watered. Uh, I get the train travel reimbursed uh, in expenses, and uh, they didn't have to write the twelve hundred word piece, you know. So they they'd want to watch, you know. So it was great, absolutely brilliant days. And did you ever have a terrible experience? And think I don't want to write about this. Or oh fuck! I, I mean, I had. Uh, I mean, I always tried, and it was only criticism I ever got for folk, but it was. What are after ducks back? It was criticism I did not entertain. Folks said, "Oh, you oh, know another, know another great place you visited, or know another." But what I was doing is these were, and hey, what a salient point this is now when you look at the world now. These were folks' businesses I was going into. So see if I went into one restaurant one week and it was anything for decent and above, I would try to give them a good write-up to encourage folk to go in and support that business, right? Family-run businesses, a lot of them, and it didn't bother me if I did twelve great reviews and a trot don't get me wrong it, it would have been easier for me to slate places that's always a lot easier sure. when it comes to writing the article right but how dare you when you're when you're talking about folks livelihoods you know so i would never ever ever have done that um and a couple of occasions when i did slate places i mean i had one i took a colleague for the daily record we went to a so-called Italian restaurant in glasgow it turned out it was run by a russian man <laughs> and his uh, russian wife Stony faced, absolutely. The waitress had one of the absolute stony faced cooking, right? And uh, for any older listeners who for the Motherwell area, she had a f- serious face on her, like the wee woman that used to run the uh, the, the candy store. Did <laughs> in, in Motherwell, you mean the candy store? No, no, was it a candy store or the candy shop? Next day, it's just opposite uh, Mark Antonio's Chippy and up a wee bit. Right, right. Right, aye. Was it a candy store, the candy shop? Anyhow, we bombed it was on it. She was very nice. <laughs> but if she wasn't smiling, she'd one of these faces that you thought you'd really upset her, you know? Right. Um, but anyhow, I digress. This, uh, we went into this place and, oh, they didn't have a clue. I, I mean, taking, for example, going into it, taking my jacket off and saying, can I, can I hang my jacket somewhere? And the woman just looked at me. Uh, you know, as, as you know, it's if I was stupid, you know, in a restaurant wanting to hang my jacket somewhere. And then in an Italian restaurant, whether it's smart or was I got brought out, and I said to him, you get uh, you get some black pepper, please? No. Just like that. And I went, all right, okay. Turns out the food was shite, right? It was really poor. I mean, it's hard. You're hard pushed in Glasgow to get a bad Italian. There's a lot of really good Italian restaurants, like right? Me. This was terrible. I slated them. And the following Saturday's magazine, and the Monday... After it got in the magazine on the Saturday, I was told, because I always worked from home, taxi pulls up outside the Daily Record, uh, uh, Central Quay on the Brumelaw, and this uh, chef gets out. He's still got the chef's whites, <laughs> the check trousers, the Crocs, all the usual gear. It's clearly the guy 
the owner stroke chef for the restaurant I was in this Saturday night. He was seen reaching inside his overalls and taking out a half bottle. One last wee swig, he saw him for Dutch courage, and he then came into the reception area at the Daily Record, bawling and shouting, demanding to see me, shouting about what he was going to do to me, shouting about how his lawyer was going to shut down the entire paper, blah, 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 blah. I think eventually security came and all that. It wasn't when the he, same guy as a stalker, was when it? He, <laughs> <laughs> it might have been, you never know. But when he, he finally, kind of, the message got through that I wasn't actually in the building and I didn't work in the building. I never have in all the years that I'd been involved in newspapers. I always worked from home. Um, that was it. He got, he got huckled back out. And I was delighted to say that a few weeks later the place shut down. Now, as much as I'm saying about trying to support local businesses, this guy was getting away with murder because... What was a great side that when my review went in on the Saturday slating it, it was like Ding Dong the Witch is Dead when old Dorothy, I must have watched The Wizard of Oz, my wee lassie this week, I'm, I keep going back to it. When, when she got the, the witch got the bucket of water chucked mm. her and she just frazzles away and suddenly the guys that were our, our henchmen, they're all delighted. Ha ha, brilliant, she's deed well done, Dorothy. <laughs> it was a wee bit like that with this restaurant because uh, all these folk wrote to me. Still the year I thought would write you letters. I might have got some emails, I can't mind. But it was just, Tam, thank Christ you've exposed that place. We had been part of 80s, it was shite. Oh, Tam, well done. We went there for a retirement. It was awful. I'm so glad you've uh, hammered them. And as I say, that, that caught them out then. And it was, I was, I was pleased to know so that they couldn't cheat folk anymore or fleece them that a few weeks later they closed. So that was a good one. Yeah. I had another one where I was... I still to this day never gave the location away, but I was there reviewing a restaurant, me, the wife and the Wayne, my wee lass was just a baby. Uh, I think it must have been about eight years ago. And um, I went to this place and we're sitting there and it was lovely, really nice. Lovely place, lovely setting, lovely staff, the food was very nice. And uh, just after my, uh, uh, I think it was my main course, I went out to go to the loo. And I was walking back in to go back to my table and I heard somebody saying, uh, Mr. Cowan. And I thought, here we go, guy, why chat about mother or mother or shite or something. Or, oh, you're reviewing this time or something about the radio or the telly or something. And I said, hi, how are you doing? What, what, what is it? Uh, hi, uh, Mr. Cowan, just to say, I would just like you to finish uh, up with your family at the table just now and leave, please. He said, there will be no bill, but there will definitely be no review. And I said, sorry, what? you've lost me here. What you on about? He says, well, aye, it's, it was a guy that ran this particular place. He said, uh, last year you reviewed another place of mine. And he named what it was. And I'd get wind. When I looked at the back of the menu, the place we were in, they had like the wee kind of company uh, logo thing, kind right? of thing. And I knew, oh, this must be part of that same group. And that was already bringing back memories. Even I'd been at the other restaurant that he was now challenging me about. So he said, I oh, absolutely blasted us and you slaughtered and I says whoa 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 I says I can stop you right there far from it now the criteria that I always judged the reviews on it was food food service uh, decor uh, toilets very important and value for money right yeah. they were always the categories and I went through them with quite a good memory for things like I went through them one by one about this place that he said I'd slaughtered and I says, no, I'd, I'd mention how the service was bang on, the decor was lovely, the place was really nice, toilets were sparkling, the uh, value for money was decent. I said, it was only the food that I had to go for. So I says, rather than having a go at me, I think you should have been having a go at your chefs in that kitchen who clearly 
Wormley getting the finger out and maybe letting you down. Otherwise, you might have got a great review. And I says, well, you know, I think kindy. Uh, you should have thought about that before you approach me in this manner. I said, but you know what? I will leave. I says, and there won't be a review, don't worry. I says, unless, and this goes back to what I was saying to you about me just getting in restaurants straight in off the street, no forewarning. Unless I'd paid, put the card down and paid for the meal then, I wouldn't have done a review. It wouldn't have been a review. That's how I'd get folk coming up to me every now and again saying, uh, it's Mr Cowan, isn't it? Uh, yes, I was uh, in for a review, and I wouldn't kid them. I'd say, "Hi, I'm man. Right. Oh, right. Uh, uh, do we do we give you this?" I said, "No, no, 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 no. I'm in as a customer. I pay for it." I said, "Don't worry. I get I get my expenses. I'll get it paid back to me. But I pay for it when I'm in. Then I'm a paying customer. And then as well, let this be a warning. I can then write what I want because I've paid for the meal. That was a whole stick. So with this guy, I says, "Right, fine. I'm not paying for that. Me, my wife, my my baby. We're not exactly happy about it, you know. But we'll leave." So we left, and there was no review. But joy of joys, we were in there. Maybe it was a Thursday. I always remember it was a it was a budget it was a budget day. We we're in there on the Thursday. So rather than me, I'd have probably written up that one for a week in Saturday's magazine. So rather than doing that, the following Wednesday in my column and the record, the page at the front end of the book, when I could write about anything, I wrote about well, ladies and gentlemen, what an amazing restaurant I went to this week. I said, ah, the food was out of this world, the service great, oh, the setting, it was luxurious, what a beautiful view. Da, 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 da. Unfortunately, I'm not able to reveal where it was because the owner didn't want me to review it. So sorry, full stop, you know. And uh, lo and behold, but lo and behold, you get back onto the paper. And saying, oh, look, if Tams wanted to interview Lam, and they basically told them in no uncertain terms to fuck off, you know, which was quite right, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was that. So you get wee instances like that that happened, and the odd wee bit of uh, guy, the odd one that tried to be bit of bribery, which hey, the one, from, oh, God, the one that always laugh, makes me laugh. I was at a probably meant to be quite trendy bar diner. All kind of chrome and glass and mirrors and all that in Edinburgh. Right. Don't even know if it's still there. I'm not. I'm not really as familiar with Edinburgh, but whenever I went into Edinburgh today, one I'd always take one of my Edinburgh mates, and they'd they'd be like my tour guide. But we went to one place, and it was a long number of years ago now, and it was nice as well. We're sitting there with one of my mates for Edinburgh, and we're eating away, and I think that's just not bad. Nice sweet place. That's great. And I'm on my notes down, and then paid the bill, put my wee note pad in my tap pocket and I thought that's it, that's all my notes done, lovely. I says, we'll go into the bar back and we'll finish off our wine. I was getting a, I was getting a train back to Murrow. So I was still in Murrow at the time, so that would have been God, it was a while ago. Any time between ninety eight and two thousand and two this must have been. We go round to the bar and we're sitting there, if you like, on bar stools at the actual bar facing into the gantry. Right? So there's a scenario, me and my mate, and we're finishing off our we bought the house red. That we'd bought, maybe the second one that we'd bought. Um, and then the next thing, this ruddy faced guy, sweat passion out of him, suddenly appeared in at a bar next to us. And I got I got a sense of what had happened right away. One of the staff had clocked me. He's the boss. They must have phoned him. Hey, I think Tam Cowan, the boy does the food reviews. I think he's in having a meal. And this guy he might have been just sitting in the house watching East Enders or something. He's fucking bolted right down to the restaurant, right? So he comes in. All flustered and all that, and he's at the side of the bar, and he walks behind the bar, and then kids on, <laughs> he could never have won an Oscar, big surprise. Oh, oh, oh Mr. Cowan, it's yourself, how you doing? I said, oh, how you doing, mate? Is this your gaff? Oh, yeah, 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 how, how was your meal? And I said, the word that I always gave whenever MD asked that was fine, 
Fine's a great word for that to say. Fine could mean, as in fine dining, what a fine meal. Or fine could mean fine, it was all right, you know. Mm. So whenever them asked, I'll say, fine, no, it's fine. And it was fine that night, you know, but I wasn't getting anything away. And uh, it says, can I get you a drink? No, the fact we had finished the review, I'd paid the bill, my notes were away. If guys want to get us a drink, ah, fine. And I says, well, he says, what's that? He says, we're just in the house, Red. I says, why don't you spot a bottle of that? He says, oh, no, no. This is where I thought, oh, oh, here we go. The house red. <laughs> the house red. So he disappears and he appeared. It was almost like the story of Maduri. For, uh, <laughs> still still game, right? He'd clearly gone into the, what his equivalent of the wine cellar was and brought out this old dusty <laughs> bottle of something that probably cost a fortune. Can I ask you to try this, Mr. Kevin? You know, I'm like, oh, fuck. So I'm already eyeing at my mate and he's eyeing me back. And I'm saying, just play a line, just play a line. So he opens this wine and he brings down the big fresh wine glasses and he's he pours me a wee smidgen and he's wanting me to fucking smell it. And I said, no, just pour it, mate, that's fine. So he pours this, he pours himself a fucking massive glass, downs it in a wine, a wee bit of Dutch courage, you know. And then we're sitting there and there's a wee bit of an awkward silence. And he's sitting, we're three abreast in at the bar at this point. And he slaps me in the back and he says, we're all businessmen, Tam, aren't we? I went, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. And my mate's looking at me, I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, man, fucking right, you know? And he walks behind the bar, right? Just visualise this, right? I'll never forget it as long as I live. He walks behind the bar. And up behind the bar, with all the optics and that, was a wee kind of quite modern wee uh, painting thing. We think he'd buy it some wee trendy uh, shop, right? In the Buchanan Galleries or something. And like something out of an old B-movie, he slides it out the way and there's the wall safe, right? So it's not a film, he goes click, 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 click. And he opens it and it's big packets of money, right? It's just all fucking stacked up. And he looks at where I'm sitting and, he, and like Carol Smiley showing off a washing machine on Wheel of Fortune. He just goes like that as if to say, help yourself. What do, you, what do you want for a good review? And I, I says, mate, I says, oh, for last gulp of my wine, my mate, I says, come on. I says, listen, and I wasn't actually kidding. I said, I've got to go for my train, mate. I've got to get back tomorrow. Out with Skedaddle. Now, you're an honest man, I Ken. could. I oh, don't know, I don't give a man. I get 13 fucking grand. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I'm, I'm an out. And that guy, I like to think, is, oh, he was scudding into that line. I think he would have woken up the next morning and panicked and thought, oh, fuck, expecting me to write about all that. But I go back to my original point. The review was done. Yep. The bill had been paid. The notes had been put table. away. The guy had just got a wee bit excited, a wee bit agitated and made a wee bit of an arse of himself. But I was never, ever going to mention that. And to the point, I never, ever, after that, mentioned the name of the place. Mm. There it was. But I did the review, as was, based on the notes that I had. Uh, and... Um, so do you take notes when you're sitting there? I oh, think. I used to do. I, I yeah. do that. And you know, um, the you, you get saying to me, uh, whoever I was with, sitting there, you know, they must think you're up to it. I mean, you get the odd wee funny look for folk. Mm. But because, again, they could just as easily have thought you were not being for environmental health. Yeah. Anything, you know. Um, but I, I, I didn't bother with the notes. But uh, what I then did laterally, and as you know, by me, it was... Uh, I, it was some years after they were invented, before I had anything close to an iPhone. But when I did then finally get an iPhone in May 2016, I then started just tapping the notes into that. And that didn't look strange. Someday Every at a table, table with a sitting with a phone, yeah. sadly it goes on fucking far too much when yeah, folk exactly. are out 
uh, socialising. But aye, so so that was it. So you got all the wee escapades that happened, and uh, even the time I had Christ, I nearly get killed. That's that's through a, a bloody restaurant, did you? This is genuine. I was up. There's a beautiful place that won our annual award way back when, around about 2012, maybe 2010. And it was a place called the Kilbury Inn. This tiny wee place called Kilbury. Now, if you got, if you were heading to for Oban, and you kind of went up the uh, Loch Gulphead way, yep. where you would come to almost the T junction, you turn right for Oban, or you turn left right. to get into like Campbelltown. Or you take the left, and then a few miles down there, you take then a right, and you start getting away out into the wilds, right? And there's this wee tiny, tiny place called Kilbury. And all that's really there, it seemed to me it was a, a phone box and the Kilbury Inn. Husband and wife team ran it. Brilliant, brilliant food. And about three rooms where you could do a wee overnight, right? And uh, so when me and my, my wife went up, uh, pre, I wait a minute, it was pre-kids, so it was pre-2010, uh, we thought, well, we're going all that way. We'll, get a wee, we'll book Stay it overnight and all that. So we, we had an idyllic trip, but primarily the food was brilliant. They later then a few months down the line won our annual award that year and I had to go back up and present them with a the trophy. So two of my mates for Hamilton, one of them drove. I didn't drive at the time as well, it was a result. They, they says, I'm on, we'll come up here. They give us a run up, away and away back up there. A wee day out. So you more recently learned to drive as well? 2012. Oh, yeah. I learned uh, December uh, uh, December 2012, I think it was. I just had never bothered. Must be price insurance for that but car. I had, no, I was all right, because no, bear in mind, I was, I was never at my age then when I passed my test. I was never going to be a joyrider. <laughs> I wanted to go down the Strathclyde Park and day skids I and all that. I've so, in here at, I don't know. So that. exactly. I'd, no, a very comfortable driver, sensible. Um, but uh, as a result of that, we went away back up to this Kilbury Inn. And they had made a wee effort, good on them, the folk that owned the Kilbury Inn, for the presentation photos. I was meeting the photographer up there as well. For the presentation photos of this, the Hot Plate Award, as it was at the time of the Daily Record, shiny kind of plate, a bit like a hubcap or something, a glorified <laughs> hubcap. But they had brought round uh, a local uh, farmer who provides all their fruit and veg. He'd brought, he'd come round with a big basket set for in the yeah. photo. They'd brought the, the guy that provides their lamb and their mutton and that, he'd brought in a sheep on a leash, right? And then the highlight of the photo was going to be the guy that did their beef, he came round the farmer, he came round with this big fucking hairy Highland coo, right? With the, the horns and all that, right? Half the old caramels, you know, the toffees. And uh, he came round with that, and I thought, oh, good on them, what a this photo's going to look great. So we were stood there, getting ready for this photo, with me and the couple that ran the restaurant in the middle, the sheep and the fruit at their side of the photo, and the farmer and this big fucking Highland bull at my side, right? And I'm, it was very close to me. It was a big docile thing, you know, it just was, wasn't moving a muscle. But then the camera, all the, all the science came into play. The photographer, when he clicked his camera, the flash for the camera, which reflected off the shiny hot plate award <laughs> and clearly upset the big Highland coup. Now, it didn't get too upset, but for a coup getting upset, it just kind of very slowly, with its seed, it just kind of edged into my left a bit and just rolled its seed almost, you know? But seeing rolling its seed, I had like a kind of a three-quarter length kind of raincoat thing on. It, the, the horn, fucking razor sharp at the tip, it went into the bottom of my coat, and in one deft movement, it ripped it, the length of it, from there right up the side under me. 
what a fright I got, my mates who were just watching all this said, you went whiter. And the farmer said, who knows about this thing, see if you'd have been an inch closer to the cow, or that'd been an inch closer yeah, to you, yeah. that horn would have been in your flesh and right yeah, up right. beside of you. Yeah. And what a bloody fright I got, you know. Did you get but, a new jacket? No, he didn't even bother. <laughs> I said, uh, I, it was ruined anyhow by my excrement as well, I can assure you. So I think I just put it in the bin. But oh, I'll never forget that day. That was, oh, what a fright I got. 25 years eh, off the ball, many years on the telly, writing for the newspapers. But I suppose you've had a brilliant career, Tam. But how, how do you reflect on that? It's far from over, but how do you reflect on it? What's been your highlights? Have you had to pick a couple of things out? The, the, the highlight has been uh, been blessed to do a lot of things that I'd be too embarrassed to call work. I have never once, when I arrived here on a Saturday, I mean, I come out to the BBC at two o'clock on a Saturday, in the good old days, and the football was on, and they'll be back. But I would ordinarily leave the BBC at two o'clock, the way my plan is, and uh, jump the motor, come out here. The one thing that Motherwell uh, gave me back almost as a wee thank you recently for doing all their events and all that, uh, was a wee parking space just to our left there. And it was when Les Hutchison kind of uh, get his money back for the club and his daughter, who was on the board to look after things for him, and she then left the club, always knew she had a wee parking space there. And I said to them at the club, I says, listen, seeing Steady me going up, they allowed me originally into the, the car park up at Tarpey Fur Park Street, which was good. Because the whole thing was, I can't see the full game on a Saturday. I've got to leave early to beat the traffic to get back in. So, an old uh, well, exactly, absolutely, aye. So it all makes a big, big difference to me. So when I knew that wee space was becoming available, I think it was round about the time we were having some meetings about the first of our Hall of Fame event. So I was I was quite sly, you know what I mean? When I was in there having the meetings and gearing up to this event, I was doing for the club out the goodness of my heart. And as a fan, I said, uh, Leanne, uh, Leslie's daughter, she's, she's left the club. Ah, she's away. A wee parking space, you know. <laughs> so they knew right away what I was getting at. So it means that I could park there. I get into the closest, I get into the ground via the closest turnstile to that space. And rather than leaving when it's about... 82 minutes in the clock, as I used to when I was up in that car park, to get out. Because bear in mind, they, they shut that off if you're no quick after the mark. And then that'd be me, I'd be gubbed. So I'm able to maybe sit to the 87th minute, allowing for that wee bit of added time as well. And then I can bolt out, jump into the motor there, and I'm back in Glasgow for the start of the show. But when I come in, to answer your question, when I come in and get into my seat at maybe about quarter to three, ten to three on a Saturday, I would never, ever sit down next to my pals who have been grafting all week, whether working in a civic centre or wherever they work, alone and work in Motherwell. I would never then, having sat in the radio for a couple of hours, had a laugh about the football with my pal, I would never sit down in my seat and say, oh, I've just come for my work. Because quite <laughs> rightly, quite rightly, they would book my boss, you know. And, you know, it is my work, I'm afraid. Whether it's been newspapers or radio or the telly or hosting events or speaking at gigs or doing shows at theatres or anything like that. It's what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm no a plumber or a joiner, um, as my wife will absolutely uh, back me up on. I'm not even close <laughs> to being able to do anything like that. But, so that's what I do. So it is my work. But um, I mean, I mean, even what times that we're living in now, I'm, I'm so blessed that I'm able with social distancing to go in and still do my radio shows because that's been great. Because... You know, the bottom line is, if I didn't do the radio shows, I wouldn't have been 
coming in the new. I mean, my Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays normally involve going to fit my clubs, going to fit my dues, going hosting award ceremonies, uh, you know, even doing stuff for the club. Uh, but you know, no, that's a that's a big big chunk uh, in my income, and it's been it's been wiped out. So if I didn't, if I wasn't able to still do the radio, uh, and as somebody who is self-employed freelance, whatever, I, I don't even know if I'd be entitled to anything. Sure. You bought a universal credit or something like that. So I, so I'm forever grateful um, about what I do. And I enjoy what I do. That's the bottom line. I always say that whatever you do in life, if you don't enjoy it, you should stop and do something else, but I've always enjoyed to the point that I still got a wee bit melancholic from time to time, because that's, this is just now run about almost exactly a year since I stopped in newspapers, and even though, sadly, and I've got so many pals that are involved in it, and I love newspapers, I'm one of the last guys that still buys a big bloody bundle, I get them delivered on my doorstep every morning, uh, and uh, I, I, I would still love to get a wee fat back in the door with the papers. I wouldn't be happy to deal with it. I just I love papers. I love sitting writing yep. for the papers. But um it's been fine as well. And I, that's you know what, that's probably why, in terms of adding another wee string to your board, I don't think it's any coincidence that I finished up with the Scottish Sun round about this time last year. I almost immediately went on holiday for three weeks with my family. And while I was out there, I had a wee a lot of folk for the newspaper industry, it's like a wee village in Scotland phone me up, oh, is that you finished here, you finished up and that. And they were saying, oh, we need to get a wee chart when you come back, maybe get a wee, a wee opening for you here and that. But I knew it wasn't going to happen because the budgets, the finances of all the print newspapers now, it's, it's awful, you know, it's awful. It's a different era entirely. But one of the folk who phoned me was uh, Peter Martin at PLZ uh, Soccer that he does with Big Al Enough quite a tidy wee operation and Peter phoned me up and he says Tam would you be interested in getting involved with us and he actually said at the time would it be okay with the BBC and I said yeah I mean we're no, we're no doing I'm not doing in for you on a Saturday afternoon yep. which is when I do the BBC stuff and I'm freelance I'm self-employed so yeah and, and Peter I knew all his stuff was on Facebook YouTube and podcast you know and I thought well you know what now that I've dabbled with Instagram Let's be Gallus Alice and, and have a wee go at this side of stuff. And it was great and it was great fun. And I'd known Peter for years anyhow and uh, worked with him at a lot of events and all stuff like that. Uh, indeed, Peter was my co host here when we did the greatest ever Motherwell team. That's right. Remember that, dude? Yep, right, and a yeah. freezing cold spring evening. It started glorious and then it was fucking Baltic. <laughs> and I still remember the le- I don't even still know why she was there, but the legend is Blythe Duff for Taggart. I think she was there to present an award. Somebody must have asked her. And I know I've known Blythe for years. She's a lovely lassie. But Blythe arrived that night. I think she was going to the Oscars. And she had this wee tootsie dress on. And I mind looking out and seeing her in the south stand sitting there. She was fucking Baltic, you know. And uh, But Peter was my co-host that night. And I'd known him for years. So I, that's, when I get involved with him, and that's great. We just have a laugh and a carry on. Although with that as well, right now, I mean, I'd come for doing that today, but sadly, again, for the past 10 weeks or whatever, we've been doing it on VMAX call, no, if that means anything. Uh, so it's amazing how you suddenly, <laughs> I mean, a year ago, I'd have laughed at me, you know, even the very idea of me having a go at a game with Space Invaders in the chat <laughs> show. But uh, suddenly, you know, Instagram, VMAX call, Zoom, Skype, all the stuff like that, you suddenly become a wee, a wee kind of mini expert, you know, but... So it's fine, I guess that's the way of the world.
And now that we're trying to shove you out the door, Tam, we'd like you to keep going for as long as possible. But how long do you, do you see it going for? Well, I, I, I'll be absolutely blunt with you. Now that we had just... I mean, it's, it's come to the end of that now because that's us into the summer. It was effectively last season there was the 25th anniversary off the ball and I'm 51. I would love to think I would be there to celebrate uh, the 50th anniversary of off the ball and then on that particular day I would raise a glass to the heavens and thank Stuart. Be fantastic, Because eh? <laughs> he can't go in forever. Stuart's actually, I think Stuart's 68 this November. So he's another, doing well. He's doing so well, ah, he's, he's, ah, he never, he never, he always dresses young, shall we say, which is a big help. But so in twenty five years, for now, it'd be great to still hang Stuart be there and all. But in twenty five years, he'll be what's that, ninety three. He'll still be kicking a ball then, Tom. He might, he might be. You never know. But if I, if I could still do that, if I could um, end up having Kim Kardashian worried about me being on her tail with Instagram <laughs> in terms of the number of followers that would be great and uh, you might be getting a record deal if you keep the, the songs up well I, you know well, you know what I can tell you almost exclusively that there was shall we say a sm because I was kidding on about here's the latest song from my forthcoming yeah. DVD stroke album the very best of the coronavirus because um, I've got I think 24 songs that I've yeah. done so they're all sitting waiting there. That's how I, I've not done it. I, the thing I've been doing the now, which was just a wee idea that I had in terms of raising the spirits. I thought there's loads of folk in my phone that are pretty well-known uh, faces. So I started to wee hang a smile with the stars, and I put up a joke every day. I asked them, "What's up?" To them, I says, "Listen, I'm doing this wee thing just to keep everybody's spirits up." There's been some crackers in there. Sanjeev Cole. Could you send us a joke? And they send us one, and I put, "I've got, I've got a backlog of them." Uh, that, that'll last me for weeks and weeks so what I might do when by the time the coronavirus moves on a bit or we get into hopefully phase three sooner rather than later there'll be mere material there for songs yep. and that so I'll stick with the jokes I know every day um, and then I might go back to some tunes but there was a small publisher shall we say a small music publisher <laughs> uh, a wee kind of independent uh, firm in Glasgow who made a tentative approach saying, were you serious about one of the releases? And I said, well, you know what? We could maybe redo them in the studio <laughs> and uh, a wee, we got a wee bit of reverb on whatever that stuff that they use in the, in the X Factor is. What's that I'm thinking? Aye, reverb, right? Aye, but no, there's another thing that they use that makes our voices sound auto -tune. Right, we could maybe do a wee bit of that, particularly for some of the high notes. And, uh, and I says, as long as we were chipping it out in the folk, you know, paid a fiver for it and give it to you. We'd probably do it for St Andrew's Hospice. I do a lot of stuff for them, or the NHS or some fucking thing. You know, we do it for that, but you never know. It might see the light of day, but it's only just been a bit of fun. You know, I laugh and I carry on. Right, we'll, we'll wrap it up, Tam. We'll let Excellent. You get uh, but thanks very much for coming on. A pleasure. Absolute Th pleasure. Thanks very much to everybody that's liked, subscribed to the podcast before. Uh, if you've not, please do so now. Uh, Tam, where are we going for dinner now? Uh, where do you want to go? It's your choices. It's your, it's your house or mine, I'm afraid. That's it. <laughs> right, no, Mark Antonio's. He's, Mark Antonio doing it across is doing a roaring trade, social distancing in the queues. And I, the, I had a single special fish uh, out of Onesties at the Rex at the top of the tune a week and a half ago, and it was excellent. Excellent. We're spoiled for choice. Exactly. Thanks very much for checking it out. Cheers. <laughs>